welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. And welcome. So, Ethan, do you want to explain a little bit about how you came into this show? Yes, uh, I largely got into it because of you and our friendship. You, uh, you can talk about this, but you love old TV shows and... Uh, way back in like high school you wore this mash t-shirt all the time and it's not something that like we addressed at that moment but you know years later a few years later I was just finding things to watch uh, kind of out of boredom and I threw on the first episode of mash and I texted you about it being like oh yeah you know mash right like I thought the first episode was kind of interesting and then you were like oh do I know mash and oh boy <laughs> Yeah, boy, do I know MASH. Um, <laughs> Why don't you talk about how you got into the show a bit? Because yeah. yours is more interesting than me. <laughs> so anyone who knows me knows that I'm a really big old sitcom connoisseur. I love old sitcoms, and I have since I was very young. In fact, I started watching MASH when I was probably 11. Yeah, 11. And um, I was obsessed with it from the period of like sixth grade until now. Um, <laughs> and were you watching it with like family members? Like, was it a thing like you and your mom did? Or was no. it just like <laughs> you alone? Uh, it was on after another show that I watched after school. Um, and then it turned into one of those things where I was just watching it constantly because it was just on and i was like oh th this is funny these are adults on tv like i like this uh so that was that was kind of my first and from actually from mash i started watching a lot of other old like 1970s 1980s sitcoms so it was uh mash started me off on tv basically <laughs> and we should also address like part of the reason why we're doing this show is that you and i just like to talk about tv with each other like, yeah, definitely. I'll just text you about really any show that I'm watching that I, I know that you have also watched. So we thought to ourselves one day, why not turn that into what everybody does and do a podcast about it? So let's monetize our hobbies. <laughs> exactly. So as we said, we're going to be talking about the first episode of the show in a minute, but uh, some general facts about the show overall. Uh, it first aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983 with 11 seasons and 256 total episodes. So we are in it for the long haul here. <laughs> this is going to be a several year long project, my, my friends. <laughs> Doesn't matter if nobody listens, we'll be here. We're committed. Um, so it was developed for television by producer and director Gene Reynolds and writer Larry Gelbert. It's based on the novel by Richard Hooker of the same name and the 1970s film by Robert Altman also of the same name. The show, definitely the series, is probably the most widely known and widely loved version of MASH. Uh, we have actually both... Well, I've well, I've read the book. Ethan's seen the movie recently. And by far, I think that we agree that MASH, the series, is definitely the best iteration of mash do you agree i yeah yes um <laughs> we will eventually cover the book and the movie i think uh, i think that would be an interesting exercise uh but by far this is the one that's most enjoyable like not to rag on the movie or anything like that is an oscar nominated film uh but alan alda is hawkeye like definitely absolutely it's, it's what everybody knows it's what everybody's seen um 
you know, MASH was the highest rated television thing ever for a long time with the series finale. MASH is huge. And to this day, it's huge. Like, since we started talking about this in my, like, custom news feed that Google gives you, it's like, oh, here's an article about MASH written, like, a week ago. And I'm like, why are people still writing about MASH? (laughs) (laughs) So what's also interesting about this, speaking of like the movie and the show, uh, Gary Birdoff, who plays Radar, um, he was the only member of the original cast of the movie to return and play a regular character on the show. He played Radar in both the film and the show, and he was on for quite a number of years. Um, he's a great actor. He he's he is the only Radar. He's the only Radar. <laughs> See, what's funny about Radar is that like he's supposed to be 19 or something. And yeah. Gary, Gary Birdoff is so old. <laughs> very clearly is not 19. Uh, no shame to him, but uh, there there are some scenes later on where he like takes off his hat and you're like, oh, this is not a young man. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so this is the last thing. This is the most interesting to me by far. Uh, the show aired during primetime while the Vietnam War was still ongoing. Um, and even though it's largely a commentary about the Korean War, its overall commentary is about America's larger role uh, during the post-World War II slash Cold War era. Um, and I thought that that it's very obvious in the show that that is what they're commenting on with any kind of like anti-war sentiment that's ever presented during the show. Uh, we'll get into this uh, with the actual episode discussion, but it it makes it very clear that the characters do not want to be there and are not yeah, interested in war. And I imagine during this time period... Uh, this was a little more like controversial of having these kind of anti-military uh, characters be the leads of such a popular TV show at the time. Um, maybe that's why it resonated so well and lasted for longer than the Korean War itself, uh, which we'll we'll get into more as as time goes on. Uh, yeah, definitely. Everything relating to how they handle the war and the army and everything. Because it it does come out swinging. Even in this first episode, they do mention quite a bit about their disdain for the general uh, war machine. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, it's definitely. I wouldn't call it a throughout match. I would. I definitely wouldn't call it a pro military show for sure. It's very real in the sense of war is not good for anyone involved. Um. So with that said, let's get into the episode. Um, yeah, boy. <laughs> In this episode, Hawkeye and Trapper throw this illegal party and fundraiser um, on the army base in an attempt to raise money so they can send their houseboy, Hojon, to college back in the U.S. So, Ethan, what did you think about the opening credits of the show? This is a very solid opening, and I'm very interested in this as a pilot. I think it's a very good pilot. It establishes the characters very well and has a lot of energy that is... Uh, very unique to this show. Even before the opening credits, before they play the theme song, it quickly establishes everybody, kind of how their characters work uh, and their relationships to each other. You see Hawkeye and Trapper playing golf in uh, landmines. And then you also see Burns and uh, Houlihan kind of acting like they're having a regular meeting but then the camera like pans down to their feet and you can see that they're like, 
playing footsie with each other, kind of showing their their <laughs> dual nature. Yeah. Um, and it's it's all very like lighthearted, and then radar senses the helicopters coming, and it's just an immediate switch to oh, we have to get into to game mode here. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I know that we both found this interesting, but in the opening sequence, uh, it says Korea 1950, 100 years ago. And that's so interesting because even though we're not 100 years out from the Korean War, we're watching this well after the Korean War had ended. And I really do feel like this show was meant to memorialize this time. Like, hopefully we're never going to get here. Hopefully this feels like is 100 years ago by the time you know, we're all looking back on this and we're saying, oh, God, how could that have ever happened? That's so long ago, even though it's not that long ago. So what were your what were your thoughts on that, too? The title card is very interesting to me. Uh, it's one of those things that you can easily forget as you watch the, the show. Uh, but it's having older media be period pieces like in itself is already like one of my favorite kind of subgenres of things. Uh, like I love the movie like American Graffiti, where that is a 1970s film that takes place in the 1960s. And this feels very similar where they're taking something that did not happen that long ago. And with this title card, treating it like, oh, this is a, a bygone era. Uh, and like you said, maybe having it, I really do want to know their intentions I'm sure I'm sure it's been written about and I'm sure we can look this up as we uh, go on. Uh, but I I do want to know their intentions with this title card, whether it was supposed to be like, like you said, an indictment of look how far we need to go. Yeah, like I get what you mean of more look how far we need to go or is it like look how far we've come or is it look how far we've come kind of thing. Um, yeah. Like uh, from a spectator's it's view. It's a very interesting title. It's a very interesting way to set up the show. Yeah, I agree. Because the Korean War wasn't that long ago when this, no, it wasn't. this aired. <laughs> I think that it really captures the show so well of these th this everyday mundane, um, you know, kind of just wasting time, not really doing anything with these doctors. And then as soon as those helicopters put, come down, they are at it um it's a very chaotic energy in the beginning of the show like in the title sequence it's a it's kind of an elongated title sequence um with the theme song and whatnot usually it's uh quite quick i would say i feel like this did a really good job of establishing um the energy of the show of like this this funny nature but also there's serious aspects to the show and absolutely we should also talk about the theme song uh, which <laughs> yeah, the theme song. <laughs> the the film has lyrics, and I was very thankful, knowing what the lyrics are now, that the the TV theme decided to do it instrumental because the lyrics are bad and just the so what's so funny about the sorry to cut you off, but what's so funny about the lyrics is that um the create so Robert Altman directed the film and he said that he wanted. Uh, lyrics to this uh, this movie that were so like beyond ridiculous. He used the words like that don't make any sense. He wanted something that doesn't make any sense at all. And so he tried to write them himself, but then he gave the assignment to his 14-year-old son and his 14-year-old son actually wrote these lyrics, Suicide is Painless, and it wasn't supposed to make any sense. So this like really hard Suicide is Painless 
was actually like meaningless, completely meaningless, and written by some fourteen-year-old edgy kid, probably. That's <laughs> incredible! I, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that makes sense because I won't hurt your ears with me singing the lyrics to this, but <laughs> it, they're not good, and the instrumental is so much more like foreboding and melancholy. Uh, yeah. It, it's a very interesting way to open a TV show. Be like, hey, uh, we're going to vaguely talk about suicide in our opening credits. Uh, <laughs> just know that. And this is still a fun 1970s sitcom. I think it's so funny. I think it's so funny about the sitcom as well that it's um, it's completely it's almost like the complete opposite of MASH. Like on the, the lyrics to the original song Suicide is Painless on its face are so dark and so like really depressing and terrible and really they mean nothing. And then so and with MASH, the show especially on its face, it's so funny and so comical and so meaningless. And then underneath, it really is super dark and super, you know, depressing and re like real. So I think that that uh, obviously i don't know if that if that was intentional but it's it's very funny yes i i think it works very well to set the tone that's what this episode is really good at it's good at setting the the very complicated tone that mash apparently has it really doesn't feel like a lot of other older sitcoms it has things that are serious things that are very lighthearted, and that's i think what makes it so interesting to revisit as someone who did not grow up with it at all. Uh, I I really appreciate how they're able to balance the the tones of everything and have it feel more complicated than you would give something like this credit for. Yeah, definitely. I, I absolutely agree with you. All right, so moving on into the actual substance of the episode. Uh, so the episode starts after the theme song with Hawkeye in a voiceover talking to his, writing a letter to his dad saying, you know, oh, sorry that you didn't like how uh, how upset I seemed in my last letter. Uh, what did you think of that? I, I really thought that it was... Um, it was a really good way to set up the show and what they were doing there. Uh, what did you think? The letter is very good. I know that is a recurring thing. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I haven't seen this whole show. I've seen uh, maybe the first three seasons and then I kind of dropped off. I know the Dear Dad letters are a recurring thing. And I think opening it with that and having Hawkeye kind of talk about how they're not trying to be the best surgeons in the hospital they're trying to be just keep people alive and keep people going you know it's not funny at all like there's no real jokes in it again just a good tonal balancing thing of like oh these hospital scenes are gonna be serious we're gonna talk about how like dangerous working in this this mash unit is um and then kind of as soon as they get out of it they're making jokes and like Oh, I didn't want to like they establish immediately like, oh, we're drafted here. We're not trying to be top of our game. We don't want to be here and we're going to make fun of Burns along the way. Yeah, that's really funny that they as to, to me, it's really funny that they establish so soon on that Margaret and Frank are 
so insufferable. They're so insufferable. It's so bad. And throughout the episode, it's, it becomes so clear that they are the, the quote unquote bad guys. Uh, they, they are definitely the regular army types. They are very serious about the army and rules and regulations and stuff. But also, of course, they're hypocrites because they are, you know, they're, they have like a kind of relationship. Um, it's more established in, in throughout the show. But in this first episode, you kind of definitely get something there that there, you know, there's something going on there. In like the one of the first scenes is like Hawkeye trying to like convince the Lieutenant Dish to do something. And he's like kissing her neck and like just, you know, doing stuff. And then it goes to them and they're like, oh, that's disgusting. That's awful. And they they start like making out. It's like, oh, they are just the worst hypocrites (laughs) imaginable. I think that it's really funny that poor Larry Linville, who plays Frank Burns, uh, he did it so well. He was so insufferable. It was so funny. They I mean, all the actors did great, but I can't imagine another actor being able to play this like terrible, just loathsome character as well as Larry Linville did and all the crap that you know the pranks and stuff that they pulled on this character was just so funny throughout the show and he was he seemed like such a a, you have to be a good sport about it when your character is that bad in (laughs) this first episode like they they come out swinging they uh they drug him they put a (laughs) knapsack over his head like they don't hold back and this is the first thing we see of them and we should mention that like Hawkeye and Trapper are kind of you know nefarious a little bit like this is one uh in my head every older sitcom is like I Love Lucy where it's just kind of sexless and like everything is like moralistic and everyone's nice but like this they they do establish immediately like that like sex exists and I think for the time it might not have been like groundbreaking but I imagine that this was still like pretty novel to have characters even just say like, oh, what do people want? They want to have sex. I imagine that was like, whoa, you can't do that on TV for the time. They definitely um, provide pretty good comic relief for uh, for the entire show. And it's uh, Hawkeye's character, especially um, he is I he's like a dog, right? <laughs> um, that That's very like. That's very well established in this episode. He's not married and Trapper is. So obviously there's like a moral kind of thing where it's like, oh, he's cheating on his wife. Well, that's awful. But also it's it's more or less overlooked in the show, especially in the first uh, couple of seasons where like being faithful was kind of out the window. And I think that's really interesting. And I wonder if that was uh, a lot of commentary, too, about kind of war. And I I wonder I do wonder how realistic it was of like, well, we might die. So let's just do whatever we're doing here and, you know, not not worry about it. I think that they were, quote unquote, like, I think that they were the bad boys, like you said, for sure. But in a pretty non-threatening, like non bad way as much as you can be a bad boy in a non-bad way yeah i mean (laughs) this first episode is about them like trying to raffle off a date with a nurse and like in your oh yeah we should probably get into that in your your 2021 brain (laughs) it's like oh that may be something that doesn't hold up but they play it very like playfully um like that whole montage of hawkeye coming out of the couches to like 
try to kiss her and everything like it's very yeah maybe this kind of like aggression isn't something that you would necessarily do today but it's also played like very like cutesy and like oh it's just they're just trying to have fun here they're not trying to hurt anybody so that being said it's very well established that they're pranksters and that they're kind of you know mischievous and stuff like that they are the bulk of this episode is about them trying to raffle off a date with a nurse to raise money for uh their houseboy hojon to go to college uh they need to pay his tuition and they need to get him to the united states what did you how did you feel about that what did you think about that i really liked it because like, like we've been talking about, they are, especially for the 70s, I imagine having these characters was kind of bracing, where it's like, oh, they're not like upstanding guys. They don't like the army. They're trying to cheat on their wives. But also their goal for this episode is like one of the most like sweet things that a person could do. Try to get a kid into college in the United States like that is an objectively noble nice goal for our heroes to have and like everything else they do is kind of like counterbalanced by that where it's like oh they, they're maybe not pursuing this the best way but they're also trying to do the nicest thing that they could possibly do for this young man uh so it's a very fun way to establish them as our heroes while having them be uh more rapscallions i guess you could say (laughs) what a word (laughs) you know than what might be expected of a tv character at this time yeah definitely i would say so oh you know what i want to talk about i want to talk about definitely henry's character so in the show, too, um, they were trying to get the weekend passes for this date with a nurse to get Hojon to college and whatnot. Um, and they had to go through Henry with it uh, because Henry, Hen- Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake is the commanding officer. He um, originally I think he originally signed off on it. And then what did they do to Frank that they were like, no way. You, he was like, well, you, Frank you can't do broke it. broke their distillery, which is a very important landmark of the show uh it's funny that they broke it in the first episode and then they like they bag him and they're like they throw him out of the tent and you know (laughs) henry doesn't want to be court-martialed i'm surprised that i'm the one explaining the plot to you you've seen this more than i have (laughs) i literally just watched it and i yeah i've watched this now like five times and i completely forgot why henry was like no you can't do this But I love Henry. Henry's a good guy. Um, Henry is probably one of my favorite characters in the show. He, I, he's just very lovable. He's a big, nice teddy bear of a man. And he loves fishing. And <laughs> spoilers for this 40-year-old program. Is, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. No, don't spoil anything. <laughs> Henry's character is really interesting to me, too, because he is so clearly not good at being the commanding officer because i don't think he wants to be there any more than anyone else i don't think that he his character is really a career army guy like say frank or margaret is and he's he revokes the weekend passes because he doesn't want there to be a party in his absence because he's going to meet with um another with a general um in seoul or something like that while the party's supposed to take place and he doesn't want 
that to happen. So he is very much like, and, and this goes on throughout the show. Henry has one of my favorite quotes in the entire show. I just, it, one of the best jokes. It's very throwaway, but it's, it's so funny. Um, we'll get to it later on. So speaking of this party, um, even though Henry says, no, you can't throw this party, uh, when he goes away, Hawkeye and Trapper drug Frank Burns, uh, they sedate him and they throw the party anyway. <laughs> so of course, like, so of course they end up, uh, raising the money for Hojon. It's great. They are, um, they end up raising $1,800, which Thanks to inflation calculator, we know that that is now equivalent to twenty thousand dollars. So they that's raised twenty thousand dollars for Hojon. Yeah, that's, that's a lot crazy. Of money. I had yeah. no idea. So that's really cool. Um, and then of course Margaret has to come in and ruin it, and she calls. She actually calls General Hammond, who uh Henry is having, who Henry was meeting in this episode, and they he comes and tells Hawkeye and Trapper you're under arrest because you're going to be court-martialed because you threw this illegal party and you know you're you that that's it it's all bad so you start to think oh no like how are they going to get out of this they had mentioned that soldiers were going to be coming in any minute uh, on choppers and they were going to have to do surgery and basically they said to the general do you really want to court-martial us right now because the all those men are going to die if you don't have all hands on deck right now so they pull the general in and basically that saves them from being court-martialed for throwing this illegal party <laughs> what did you think about that like i've been just mentioning mentioning over and over again i like how they are established in this episode like even to go back a little bit the winner of the the nurse raffle they they rig it so it's the priest of the the mash unit and you know it's one of those things where it's like they didn't need to do that but it further establishes them as as good guys in the scenario giving a nurse to a priest is a funny thing to do uh i we can cut that like my last <laughs> sentence um, no i mean like it is pretty funny like no no joke it is funny <laughs> it's a it's a funny thing to do um and yeah having just very having this thing happen where they're gonna get fired or not fired they're gonna be put in jail but then they're saved by the fact they're good at their job kind of justifies or further justifies all their very not good actions in the episode <laughs> like they they did drug a man and it's played for laughs and it's like oh it's just frank burns like who cares but like maybe you shouldn't drug your 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 fellow co-workers on this <laughs> army base yeah what really struck me about this part was um that th this is something that we see throughout the show a lot actually that the antics and the jokes and the pranks and the anger sometimes at other characters has to get left behind um, when they enter OR. There is no other option. Like they are there to save lives. And it's kind anything else is kind of put on the back burner when uh men come in and need to be operated on and i think that this that was really well established in this episode kind of like a callback um to that title sequence where they're kind of just all like you know lollygagging around just wasting time stuff like that and then as soon as choppers come in they're on it and they are doctors and nurses and 
you know, people after that. Um, so yeah, I thought that that was really, really well established. Um, and of course, at the end, funny, because Hawkeye and Trapper come out in handcuffs saying, you know, wait, wait, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. We're, <laughs> we're going to be court-martialed. We're, we're good with this. And then they say, damn, we, we, you know, we got out of it. screwing up in the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it was, it was really funny. Um, yeah, I just thought it was great. Yeah. Before we fully wrap up, I just want to acknowledge one joke that I really love from this episode is when Henry tells them like, oh, you can't hold this party. I wasn't totally cool with it anyway, because I'm going to be off base. And just the look that Trapper and Hawkeye give each other, yeah. I think is incredible. Like, oh, like a fully, <laughs> like hard to explain on audio. So maybe I shouldn't have brought it up, but just the look that they give them is so... It was very knowing, yeah. So cute, for lack of a better word. <laughs> uh, I I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun show. Is there anything you want to mention before we, we wrap up? So I, th I really do think that we would be remiss to not mention uh, the fact that, and this is, this is ongoing as well throughout the show, but there, this, so, some parts of the show did not age well. Um, so in, in the first episode, there is uh, a character who his name, he's a black character. His name is Spearchucker Jones. And that is in itself quite racist. And in the 1970s, the character was cut because his nickname was so racist. Like it just didn't bode well um he's a character in the movie too yeah they exactly use him when they want to play football it's yeah. not great <laughs> so which i i felt was really unfortunate because i think that having a black character in the 1950s army could have added some perspective as the show didn't really touch on so many social issues about race but it didn't shy away from it either um and i i really do feel like uh an opportunity was missed there to add something to the show. Um, but also there's a joke in this episode uh, where Trapper says, oh, maybe we could sell Spearchucker in his sleep. And it just it doesn't hold up well. It's not great. Um, I, again, the, the show doesn't need to be condemned, but it's it's certainly an uh, a racist off kilter not funny joke um that just absolutely didn't hold up well so but other than that like i think the episode's fun and great and you know we there are some race problems in the show but of course you know it, it's from the 1970s about the 1950s so we're, we'll definitely run into some more of those um yeah as we talk about this show more it will be interesting to kind of see what holds up and what doesn't because like comedy is supposed to be like provocative and it's like set against the culture it's made it made with um so it's just i'm sure we'll have this discussion a few times <laughs> yeah absolutely um so yeah so do you have any final thoughts on the show are you excited to watch the second episode yes i am um i'm excited to watch uh 256 more whatever it was <laughs> um this pilot is really good it's very ahead of its time it has energy that i'm not expecting from a show like this from that yeah. is so old um and it's also very well shot we should mention that but it yeah, won I agree a two emmys for writing and directing and it 
very much deserves it. Yeah, it was uh, nominated on, what didn't win. Okay. Especially on Hulu, like it's presented in widescreen and the widescreen like looks nice and like you can tell that it's not shot on like a sound stage, just like most uh sitcoms of this era are where it's like we have many cameras and we're gonna film it like a play and we're gonna cut from angles. Like it's kind of cinematic, like the angles that they do yeah. in this. And Absolutely. I was very impressed by that. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, aerial views of of this episode. Uh, I, I can't really recall if they keep that kind of thing in there, but definitely for this episode, it was very cinematic. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, overall, I think this pilot was great. It was a very good uh, first introduction to a very already beloved um, cast of characters and setting and stuff like that. I think it established what it wanted to do really well and obviously it took off because there were <laughs> 11 seasons so it lasted longer than the korean war yeah <laughs> exactly cannot be overstated that is insane <laughs> so that's it for this episode of mash mouth uh we want just wanted to thank uh jacob for balco for being our technical consultant melissa my sister for cover art and of course, our listeners. As of this recording, we do not have our music, but when we do, it will be linked in the description. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Valently Off Balance and join us next week for our discussion on Season 1, Episode 2. And until then, put a hole in one into a landmine. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Good night.